welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan. So, recently it was announced that there is going to be a new Mash special on New Year's Day, I believe. Yes. So, I wanted to ask you, uh, first of all, I know you're excited about it because I'm excited about it because we have a Mash of podcast. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you what you're hoping to see from this new special, if there's any interviews that you're interested in, what you're expecting, what you're hoping for. I just think it's really exciting that we have new MASH content uh, in the year of our Lord 2024 by the time it comes (laughs) out. I just think it's really cool. And as someone like new to this uh, fandom, let's say, I, I just think it's great that everybody's still like, out there, you know? Like, obviously, we've lost a few, but a lot of the major players are are still with us and willing to talk about the show, like, in a positive light, which just makes me happy. And as you know, and some of our listeners may know, I have not seen the entire show, um, so I, I am wary of, like, spoilers they may discuss. <laughs> I'm gonna have... I'm definitely gonna have to have you vet the, the special before we discuss it. Because I'm, like, worried about, like, finale spoilers Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe discussion about, like, why Frank leaves the show and stuff like that. Because we haven't gone that far yet. But otherwise, I don't know. It's just going to be fun to see Alan Alda, like, talk. I I think he's (laughs) just a fun guy to hear talk. What about you? Any any specific hopes that you're looking for as a longtime fan? I'm really excited. Like you said, just that this is existing (laughs) and that we get new MASH content. I'm really hoping that we get some more like behind the scenes of the writing process, because that's always really interesting to me, especially with my job of doing trivia for the (laughs) podcast. I really like to know the ins and outs of the writer's minds. Um, And I'm also really excited to see because there's going to be some new interviews with some castmates, castmates, some cast members who have passed away. So I'm actually really excited to see that like in the vault footage that's like yeah. never before seen of people who have passed on. So yeah, I'm I'm just really excited in general for it. It's great to cover something current on this show. We don't get to do it very often. <laughs> no, not really. So why don't we get into today's episode? Yes, let's do that. So today in this episode, The Gun, just when we think Frank can't get any worse, he surprises all of us and steals a wounded colonel's gun and lets Radar take the heat for it. Ethan, what did you think about today's episode? First of all, man, oh man, you're right. I really, I don't know what Frank's plan was with this, (laughs) but I like this episode a lot. It was quite funny, a very light episode. I mean, Radar has some high stakes consequences in his future um, if it doesn't pan out, but otherwise it was just a a very light, very fun kind of sitcom-y episode that I thought had a lot of like great jokes. And it was a great, like, spotlight for Radar. I thought Gary Berghoff gave a really great performance. He really stuck out as, like, a comedic highlight. Yeah, I agree. There was not really any, <laughs> not really too much hard-hitting in this episode. No real, mm-hmm. like, commentary one-two punch. Um, But I thought that the writers, the actors, and the director did a fantastic job in this episode. Just as, like, a very basic, like, sitcom episode fantastic i loved it there were so many times where i was just laughing so full on because 
I don't know. It, it, it just really struck me, and it was a really good sitcom episode. Yeah, absolutely. And with like the title, The Gun, I kind of assumed this would be a heavier episode because mm-hmm. that's a very like foreboding title, you know, that like a Stephen King novel would be like <laughs> The Gun by Stephen King. Um, but it wasn't that at all. It was just like a very, very charming, like radar character piece kind of. And you get a lot more of like Frank being an absolute doofus. I, I thought it I thought it worked. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, all of it really worked. I, I really I really, really liked this episode more so than I even thought I was going to, actually. Yeah, same. <laughs> so let's get into the plot of this episode. Yes. We start off right off the bat with um, some incoming wounded in the middle of the night. And as you said, very good radar character piece here because he uh, once again is coming into Margaret's tent and sniffing her belongings. Um, At least it was Mm -hmm. perfume this time and not like her pantyhose or something like that. So, you know, very, very radar, I guess. So we're we're establishing continuity in his character with just smelling things that don't belong to him. Yes, um, I I suppose so. That is good continuity. Um, <laughs> but this episode starts out with like Margaret freaking out at him again for waking her up, and this is like the second or third time this happened. And you know, Radar always gets so flustered and plays innocent when he is kind of being like a little bit of a weirdo. <laughs> but it just really, really stood out to me that like, man, this is like the third time this has happened. Maybe he should start knocking on her door to wake her up <laughs> instead of, like, touching her. Because he clearly doesn't enjoy the result after she wakes up, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. He should use, like, a bullhorn or something to, like, or his trumpet to really just, like, yeah. get her out of bed. <laughs> just non-contact, but, but still wake her up. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, speaking of Radar still... um. It was actually really interesting to me between uh, the scene of him kind of like freaking out when Margaret uh, is startled awake by him. And this next scene that we get with Radar being really calm and collected and telling everybody where to go with the wounded and who to follow and like when to Mm -hmm. pick people up and stuff like that. So I I thought it was a it was maybe not an intentional juxtaposition with where Radar is comfortable versus where he is clearly not comfortable. But right. it, w- it was a nice thing to see, I thought. Yeah, I I love Radar's competency that he quietly is the man in charge in this camp. Maybe less so nowadays that, like, Colonel Potter's there. But Henry days, he was, he was the one keeping the ship afloat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that even Loki now, Colonel Potter probably couldn't get along without Radar. Yeah, I mean, you need a good right-hand man. So the wounded here, they weren't um terribly wounded. I think that they said that they had accidentally been, like, almost run over by a tank, like an American tank. Yeah. So it wasn't an offensive thing. It was more of just, like, like, an accident. So a lot of people had broken bones and whatnot. So in the next scene, uh, Hawkeye, I was going to say Trapper. How funny is that? I know, Still I have to stop Trapper. myself every time. <laughs> Hawkeye, BJ, and Colonel Potter are uh, mostly just setting bones uh, back into place. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if you noticed it, but there was actually laugh track in the OR. I didn't notice that. Yeah. And I was it it wasn't like a normal OR scene because it was just setting broken bones like Hawkeye was still in his bathrobe and stuff like that. So maybe that's why they included it. But now it just feels really weird when they have laugh track in the OR. 
I'm going to have to go back and like watch that again because you're right. If I if I noticed that, I would be taken out by it. But I guess the circumstances are kind of different for this one scene. Like you said, it was a lot more casual. I love the banter in this OR scene. I love their like back and forth. Um, the jokes that Colonel Potter was making that like he was like a liar and embellishing stories and was <laughs> called out for it. I, I really enjoyed that. This is a great like tone setter for the episode that it is going to be like a lighter one. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I, I know what you mean. And that, that really contributed to my enjoyment of this episode because I thought the writing and then the delivery of a lot of these lines was really good um like mm-hmm. colonel potter just kind of like laughing about how he was making things up and how he's yeah. a liar and stuff i don't know it felt very genuine and very authentic and i i it made me laugh even more than it maybe normally would um mm-hmm. especially the what he was saying was very funny too about like basically almost getting trampled by a porta potty <laughs> very classic like grandpa exaggeration kind of story you know just really playing everything to the nines where it's like that can't happen but he's saying it with such authority and i wasn't around back then so like surely this could happen to someone sometime (laughs) but then he's like tastefully called out for it and he's like ah you're a bigger liar than i am Uh, just it was a good time very very fun yeah, it's great to see like everybody getting along this well. Yeah, and speaking of getting along, <laughs> two people who don't seem to be getting along as well in the newer episodes of this show are Ooh. Frank and Margaret. Did you notice that Margaret has been almost calling Frank out a little bit more? They're definitely on the rocks. We discussed this last season, <laughs> and you know they had a little bit of a reprise when. Uh, Frank was briefly in charge, but maybe that magic has faded again. <laughs> and she's just like, all right, I'm kind of done here, um, at least with Frank, you know. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me in this episode with Frank is that he's clearly fed up with the war, just kind of in general. And that was not like a Frank characteristic of earlier seasons. Like he's kind of completely bored with the entire situation. Later on in this episode, too, he mentions how he's in like the boring part of the war (laughs) when Mm -hmm. he actually sees the colonel's gun and whatnot. Um, And I think that that's just really, really interesting because he is always looking for that like valor and this military hero type of thing. But he was previously very unwilling to put himself in like any type of harm's way. And I still think he is unwilling, like kind of cowardly in that way, but he is very much getting fed up with the war and like where he is. And you previously did not see that in the earlier seasons. Like when they wake Frank up in this scene, he's so mad that he has to get up like in the middle of the night. (laughs) And comments that like, oh, why couldn't the war be from nine to five or, you know, something similar mm-hmm. to that. And I feel like that's such a Hawkeye joke that he would like do <laughs> offhandedly that Frank would be like furious at in the earlier seasons. But now he's kind of at the same level of Hawkeye being like, all right, all right, this war ain't all it's cracked up to be, <laughs> but doesn't have like the the competency to like pull off being kind of fed up with the war like for him it just kind of comes across of him being a like a weird little baby you know like get over (laughs) it do your job yeah and speaking of what i said before of margaret and frank kind of almost seeming like they're on the rocks 
Margaret was in this scene where Frank is really angry about the war kind of waking him up and having to do his job in the middle of the night. Margaret says to Frank, like, oh, you have to be an example for the enlisted men. Like, you're supposed to be acting like an officer and you're not by, like, screaming at everybody for no reason. And I thought Mm -hmm. that that was really interesting. I think that it is really interesting for the writers to include here because... I don't know if you remember, but last episode two, Margaret said, oh, just because I'm a major doesn't mean that like I don't like the enlisted men or whatever the case is. Like we zip our pants the same way or whatever she said, (laughs) something along those lines. But I thought that it was really interesting that these like subtle shifts are happening now because I know in the next season, that's when it's very apparent that Margaret's character kind of shifts. I guess spoiler alert, but um, it's interesting. I mean, you can already see it happening. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I know that season five is like where it really happens. And everybody who knows MASH kind of knows that's like where it happens. I'm but excited for that. It, yeah. And, and it's really interesting to just see like the subtlety of it happening mm-hmm. now. So I don't know. I, I, I liked that aspect of it, too. Yeah. I mean, kind of this episode is a little bit about Frank and Margaret's relationship because it goes from this to... Radar, like, showing off this, like, very uh, cool gun that this one uh, wounded guy had. This, like, John Wayne, uh, not replica, but, like, the same gun that John Wayne would carry. And Frank is so enamored by it. It's like, oh, this is so cool. And he steals it to show off to Margaret and, like, present as cool to her. So... You're right. This episode's kind of about him and Margaret being on the rocks and him, like, finding a way to impress her again in a very (laughs) shallow way. Yeah. And that is kind of the main conflict of the episode, too. Not necessarily Frank and Margaret, but uh, Frank taking this gun. So it was very funny to me when he just sees this gun and is clearly enamored by it. But then Radar is putting it in... Uh, what they call a gun locker to like make sure that all the people who have these guns get them back after they you know are cleared to go back into fighting and it's interesting because radar locks the gun locker and so then in the next scene frank just has the gun so i'm like how how did he how did he get this gun I don't understand. <laughs> I think he just stole the keys from Radar when he was sleeping. I, I don't think it was that complex. Unbelievable to me because when Frank eventually tries to put the gun back in the gun locker, steals the keys back from Radar, he makes so much noise. There's like true. an unbelievable amount of noise. And not only that, but Radar was drunk at the end of the episode. So he like maybe wouldn't have heard it realistically. Mm-hmm. But come on. I don't think that Ray- he would have been able to get this back from, like, get the keys away from Radar like that. I don't believe it. Especially with Radar's, like, hypersensitive hearing. His name of- is Radar! <laughs> As if he wouldn't know that Frank is coming? Come on! No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I guess Frank has, he only has a limited set of skill points. It can only be, uh, like, cool <laughs> for one portion of the day. Who knows? <laughs> Um, maybe Frank Burns is just great at picking locks. Who knows? I feel maybe. like I feel like that's like a trapper thing, but you know, what whatever. May- maybe maybe Trapper taught Frank that. <laughs> and we know that Margaret had a big crush on Trapper, so maybe he learned it Ooh. to impress her. Ooh. It all comes back to that, baby. <laughs> that's so funny. So 
like we mentioned, Frank stole the gun because he wanted to feel some type of like unearned valor, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he shows it off to Margaret and Margaret is really enamored by it. And you talked about this to me uh, a few days ago. But Margaret is doing yoga when Frank walks in. And I thought that that was also just really funny because I feel like Margaret was a trendsetter of bringing yoga into like the Western conscious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true, though, because I legitimately didn't know that like people in America in the 1970s and this is a show taking place in the 50s. But I didn't know that, like, yoga was that well-known until, like, maybe the 80s and 90s in America. So her coming in, or him coming in while she's doing yoga, and she's like, oh, yoga's wonderful. And speaking, like, this very, uh, you know, new-age mom that you would see nowadays, like, wow, <laughs> yoga's amazing. It was just very funny. Like, time is a flat circle. Nothing ever changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, also, we talked about how kimchi had this really like big resurgence right, because right. of tiktok like it became a it became a very popular food choice and so i don't know it, it, it is just very interesting to see that nothing's new that our generation definitely thinks that we've discovered everything but we yeah. absolutely haven't <laughs> mash is the roadmap what can we say <laughs> i also wanted to note that frank calls margaret his little hindu And I was just so shocked at that. Like, imagine that. (laughs) Okay, that, first of all, insane. Second of all, felt very out of character for Frank. I'm not going to lie. Like, he would not be impressed by another culture like that. He's so (laughs) xenophobic, I felt like. Like, that felt at odds with the the Frank Burns that I know and love, okay? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, maybe it's just because Margaret's doing it. So, like, I I was also very um, uncomfortable with how much Margaret was turned on by the fact that her dad had a very similar gun to the one that Frank had. I know that we've talked about this before with, like, certain things like that but it it was very apparent in this episode and it was like girl get some therapy margaret definitely has a bit of a complex going on um <laughs> and what was funny about that that it being her dad's gun i felt like it wasn't necessary either because they do specify that like this is the same gun that like john wayne would use mm-hmm. in his various movies and john wayne especially in like the 50s was such a symbol of masculinity and, like, coolness that, like, adding the the daddy complex to (laughs) the gun was just, like, an extra step that we didn't need because, like, if you have the same gun as John Wayne, that's kind of, like, already hot. Like, you don't need to add (laughs) the the dad part of it to make it, like, more hot. It's just, like, weird. Yeah, it was was a little odd. But like I said, this will all come out later on that we will understand, or at least my (laughs) reading of the character, we will understand why the writers were peppering this in always. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So moving on from that, after Frank shows off the gun to Margaret, Radar realizes that the gun is missing, and that's where we start to understand that if this gun doesn't come back into the colonel's possession, Radar could be facing really extensive Mm -hmm. charges. 
This, I felt, was a little out of line for the (laughs) crime committed. I felt like the punishment did not fit the crime because they do say that, like, if Radar is found guilty for, like, losing this gun and everything, that he could get 15 years in the stockades. (laughs) And I was like, that's insane. Because, first of all, Radar is canonically, like, 18 or 19. So, like, doing that to an 18 or 19-year-old Who's not committed like a war crime? That sounds deranged to me. That that sounds like too heavy of a of a burden to bear. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I was a little bit confused here too because I wasn't sure exactly like why Radar would be so in trouble for right. this. Um, I couldn't figure out if it was because he was like it was his job to guard the guns or what whatever the case was. And that he is responsible regardless of the circumstances of it going missing or if it was like he was going to be accused of stealing the gun. Right. But it just like it just wasn't clear. And then Colonel Potter actually went to go speak to the colonel whose gun it was. And the colonel was very upset and wanted to like throw the book at radar and whatnot. But that being said, that didn't really clear it up either. Like. He was obviously mm-hmm. mad that Radar lost the gun, but it made it seem like it wasn't Radar's fault, but he just didn't care. He just was out for blood because his gun was missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it was very confusing to me. Yeah, they they never fully clarify it, I think, whether or not they believe that like, Radar took the gun. Um, But regardless, I thought that this added a lot to it. I thought it was very funny that the punishment that Radar was fearing was so extreme in this otherwise like very light episode. It was it was a good like contrast between these very high stakes and this very low stakes like sitcom <laughs> misplacement plot line. Like I feel like a lot of shows do like, oh my god, this important thing is missing. But in other shows the consequences is not fifteen years in the stockade. <laughs> not even jail. The stockade. The stockade. I don't stockade. even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> like military prison for losing a gun. Um Crazy. I do have to shout out the MASH wiki because um this is unsubstantiated, so I can't say for sure, but <laughs> there is a bit of trivia regarding the charges that one would face for, I don't know, like stealing a gun or losing a gun. So if anyone's interested or can substantiate it, please go take a look and then let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) So right after this scene where Radar (laughs) learns of the potential consequences for losing this gun is my favorite scene of the episode where Hawkeye and BJ corner Frank and they know that he took this gun and they're trying to get it out of him. I thought that this shakedown was the best (laughs) writing, directing, and acting that I have seen in a really, like, long time. In a sitcom, just this little bit was just the best. It really demonstrated the chemistry that Alan Alda and Mike Farrell now have. Like, they, they were such a good duo, and I love that, like, BJ was being, like, good cop of him saying, like, oh, well, maybe you just took it to, like, study it. Maybe you thought, you know, <laughs> I we know you're a gun enthusiast. Like, he was giving him, like, every benefit of the doubt, like, very good cop. And then I don't know if you noticed this, but later on in the episode, when Frank returns the gun, 
he like repeats everything that BJ said as his motivation for taking oh, it. Oh wow! Which I thought was very funny and very well written because they don't even draw like attention to it. Um, but yeah, this shakedown was was quite funny, and everybody like played it really well. I I could definitely understand where you're coming from for this being your favorite scene. That's really interesting that you bring that up, that they brought it back um, to the reasons that BJ stated, like all the outs. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really funny. I think that uh, I think that this is my favorite scene just because, like you said, the chemistry between Mike Farrell and Alan Alda and even uh, Larry Linville. It just I, I don't know. Everything just really worked the way that. Mike Farrell and Alan Alda pushed the table into Frank. It was just, <laughs> it was great directing. It was great writing. The delivery was fantastic. I don't know. Every, everything about this scene was just so good. I actually watched it twice because I liked oh, it wow. so much. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just something about it for sure. We love a good interrogation scene, especially a comedic <laughs> one. Very, you know, low stakes interrogations, I think are the funniest thing you could ever do. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. Going from that, let's actually talk about my favorite scene, which is Radar getting hammered. And by <laughs> hammered, I mean he has one drink, which was a big mood. Um, I loved this scene so much. I thought it really showed off uh, Gary Berghoff's like, wonderful performance that he was doing this great drunk voice and his like insane tangency stories that he goes on of like, <laughs> oh, when I was in high school... You know, I I got the corporal thing, and then I sat in the the photo booth for 16 hours to (laughs) give everyone a photo of me with my stripes on. Just incredible. Absolutely, like, my kind of nonsense. The interrogation (laughs) is your kind of nonsense. Radar monologuing drunk to Father Mulcahy absolutely my wheelhouse. (laughs) He was actually monologuing to Klinger. But oh my that, god, I got that wrong. <laughs> that being said, Klinger was like, "Hey dude, calm down," which made it even better. I <laughs> yeah. really loved how Klinger was just like, "It'll all work out in the end." And yeah. <laughs> Klinger just knows. He's like, "Don't worry about it, dude." It was very it just made it even better. I really liked mm-hmm. this scene as well. I thought that it was really funny. <laughs> that um radar apparently is getting a taste for drinking like hawkeye is finally corrupting him apparently because (laughs) last last episode we saw him return from tokyo just rip roaring drunk and causing Mm -hmm. a bunch of chaos and i think that it's funny that he's clearly still a lightweight because um he like (laughs) i said he got drunk off of one beer but yeah i don't know just just to see that as well the continuity of radar's character kind of Finding his proclivity for drinking was just made this scene even better. Yeah. And I want to shout out uh, Klinger's little pajama outfit he was wearing, I guess, <laughs> with the the kind of golf hat and like red long underwear. I thought it was very funny to see him like out of a dress um, and him kind of complain to Radar about like putting on the makeup and everything mm-hmm. was was very funny because I'm like, no one is making you wear dresses. You do this to yourself, my dude. <laughs> After this, too, uh, Radar comes back to his cot or his tent, I guess. Um, and <laughs> Colonel Potter makes one more kind of like desperate plea for mm-hmm. whoever took the gun to just return the gun because they said that they turned the camp inside out, looked all over for this gun. Um, they wouldn't get in trouble, no questions asked, that kind of thing. And then he kind of tucks Radar into bed and gives oh, him his teddy bear. 
And I just thought it was such such dad energy of him uh-huh. really going to bat for Radar, really trying to find this gun because he doesn't want to see Radar get in trouble and then also tucking him into bed. Oh, so cute. Couldn't couldn't ask for something better. That was delightful. And like that was the kind of thing that like a lesser episode, I think, would like cut out because it was basically like 40 seconds of not a lot happening. But mm-hmm. it added so much to like the characters, you know, that like uh, even though Colonel Potter's new he does kind of presume this, like, fatherly intention with, like, young Radar, the same way, like, Henry was kind of his dad. But maybe with Colonel Potter, it's more of a grandpa energy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I enjoyed the fact that he took out his teddy bear and, like, gave it to him. It was it was a delight. And then the the next scene with Radar, I thought, was, like, a great, like, punchline to, to the entire episode. <laughs> Yeah, where he gets up and he confronts the colonel whose gun it is. And he says basically like, hey, listen, you're going to put me in the stockade for 15 years. I'm going to be old by the time I get out. Like, you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like waving his teddy bear around. And Frank is trying to put the gun away at the same time that Radar is kind of chewing this guy out. And he's waving his teddy bear and he hears the gun. And he's like, my teddy bear went off. And it was the (laughs) funniest thing. It was really great delivery from Gary Berghoff, too, because um, I don't know. He really he really seemed like he was uh, (laughs) had knocked a few too many back. Um, It just (laughs) it really worked well. It was a very Mm -hmm. comedic scene with the bear. And he's like, my bear went off. I don't know. Just just this delivery of the line was just so good. He really sold it. (laughs) He did. And of course, then we come to find out that in the next scene, Frank did, in fact, steal the gun like we knew. And he accidentally shot himself in the foot. And who does he go to? But Margaret. And Margaret is really fed up with him in this as well, because she's like, hey, my guy, you shot yourself in the foot barely. And also you lied to me and then you stole a gun and then you lied about stealing the gun. So... Oh, Frank. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If this was a normal relationship, I imagine this would be the big breakup because, Mm -hmm. like, come on, he stole a gun. And again, what was his plan? Was he going to let Radar go to jail for 15 years? It's never explained further because Frank kind of immediately weasels his way out of it. But him shooting himself in the foot, beautiful irony, you know, Uh, just a great Frank moment. Of course, he would eventually shoot himself in the foot quite literally (laughs) i mean i guess that is indication enough that frank definitely shouldn't ever have a gun like he should not (laughs) be on the front lines ever or actually doing any fighting just not a good idea i do wonder if he will apply for another purple heart after shooting himself in the foot right this would be his third purple heart We'll have to keep an eye out because he might. We don't know. (laughs) I do have to say, too, in this scene where Frank comes to Margaret's tent and she is kind of chewing him out a little bit, like, you lied to me, you stole something, this and the other thing. Larry Linville looks like he's, like, actually sweating. He is. Yeah. There is a lot of perspiration coming off of that man. And it makes sense for the scene. Like he just hurt himself. He shot himself in the foot. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if he was like actually really sweating because it looked very realistic. Yeah. I mean, with this show, it's hard to tell because they're like shockingly good at sick makeup. But 
this might have been like a really long night of shooting, and he was just kind of like, uh, um, that's how I <laughs> maybe we'll see. We'll have to like investigate the behind the scenes if there's any info out there. But yeah, Larry Linville really does sell the uh, absolute toll that like even grazing your foot would take on your body (laughs) yeah yeah definitely so this is kind of where the episode ends too i mean yeah the colonel gets his gun back he apologizes to radar and is like well i'm glad i don't have to put you into the stockade for 15 years by my guys and then he just drives (laughs) off into the sunset i really like that the the ending pre-credit scenes are typically like uh, Hawkeye and BJ like playing chess anymore. I feel like that's a recurring segment for the last scene of the show. That they are just kind of being bros playing an intellectual <laughs> game with each other, or they're messing with Frank, or both, which is the case for this one, where they very knowingly call out the fact that they know he shot himself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked how um, even before this too. Colonel Potter and Radar accidentally switched glasses, so they were like, Oh my god, this is like my favorite scene, actually. (laughs) Radar was like, oh yeah, I have a hangover, like my vision's so bad. And Colonel Potter's like, huh, weird, so is mine. And then they just swap glasses because they realized they accidentally took each other's. And then, of course, this scene as well with Hawkeye, BJ, and Frank just knowingly joking with Mm -hmm. each other. I don't know, very good. I love the glasses gag. I'm I'm so upset that I forgot about it momentarily. Because that's such a good joke. Um, that's clearly like a joke that came from them realizing that like the glasses prop looked identical, and like <laughs> you you didn't have to include that, but that adds so much to like the characters. I think like I just like the idea that they accidentally switch glasses. That's so like human and like such a funny error that has nothing else to do with, like, the gun plot line. Just, like, a funny thing to throw in the end. It's also very realistic because um, I don't know if anyone's ever swapped glasses with somebody else, but oh, yeah. you cannot see out of somebody else's glasses. No. Prescriptions are made for you. <laughs> We've switched glasses before, and it's been a, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> yes, it has been. <laughs> so, yeah, like we said, this is basically the end of the episode. It all wraps up very nicely. So I wanted to ask you, Ethan, if you had any favorite lines from this episode. I'm surprised we didn't shout this out during the episode, but when Radar does the math and realizes, like, oh, in 15 years, he'll be 30, and he goes, 15 years? I'll be in my 30s. That's almost dead. Just (laughs) absolute mood right there. (laughs) As two people almost in their 30s, I think that we both agree that it is basically like we are almost dead. (laughs) We're one foot in the grave. Oh, another great line. Sorry to not have you say a line, but real quick, another great line that uh, Radar says is, oh, 15 years, my earthworms will be dead and buried by then. Just... (laughs) I love that that's his concern. Yeah, that's his main concern. Of course it is, because of course he cares about his pets more than he cares about what's actually going to happen to him. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite lines came from Father Mulcahy in this episode, actually. So (laughs) 
when Frank shoots himself in the foot, uh, everybody hears the gun go off and everybody starts rushing over. And <laughs> Margaret says, oh, Father Mulcahy, was that was that like a shot or a gunshot or whatever? And he goes, it may have been. It sounded like it. But I don't want to start any unsubstantiated rumors. I don't know <laughs> why that really struck me as hysterical, but... Just the way that he delivered it was yeah. so funny and so, like, in character for Father Mulcahy. Like, of course he wouldn't want to start unsubstantiated rumors. I don't know. I, I loved that. No, this is, a, this is a 10 out of 10 Father Mulcahy bit for me. That made me laugh unreasonably hard when I heard it. <laughs> the other line that I have is the final one where Hawkeye is joking with Frank about kind of knowing that he stole the gun and that he shot himself in the foot. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Frank goes, powder burns? What are you implying? And Hawkeye goes, nothing, Frank, just a shot in the dark. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Wonderful. My favorite joke ever. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic you, first of all, but that is, <laughs> that is Hawkeye to a T. He, he was proud of himself for coming up with that one. <laughs> and again, with the delivery, which is why I think that the, uh, writing and directing and acting in this episode was so good because Hawkeye was being so snide when he said it and Hawkeye was so snide in this episode even with the scene where Hawkeye and BJ were like cornering Frank and mm-hmm. trying to get him to admit that he stole the gun <laughs> he's he mentioned something like oh Frank don't make me get the whitewash I was gonna <laughs> mention that <laughs> <laughs> that was a really that was really good too I mean the context is a little bit too hard to explain so if you know you know kind of thing mm-hmm. but it, it was good I, I really liked Alan Alda's performance in this episode as well the delivery of don't make me get the whitewash was <laughs> immaculate (laughs) so Vanessa do you have any trivia for us in this episode I do okay so this is very quick in the episode but uh Harry Morgan wow okay but Colonel Potter is reading uh some kind of military newspaper like Stars and Stripes or something like that and he mentions that there is a West Point cheating scandal and that several people got um, I noted this down yeah so I did a little bit of research. It was basically just what Colonel Potter said, that a bunch of uh, students got expelled from West Point for cheating, um, I believe on mm-hmm. calculus exams, maybe. But unfortunately <laughs> for West Point, there have been several cheating scandals over the decades. Oh, man, that's so, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So there was actually one in 1976 as well. So I'm assuming that's maybe why they included the 1951 cheating scandal, because I think that that was mm. like the last big one before 1976. And then again, recently there was a cheating scandal. So if anyone's particularly interested in the West Point cheating scandals over the years, I am going to include some further reading information. That's so funny. Last week, the show was kind of topical as well by referencing a fever that they kind of figured out was a specific fever by 1976. And now they're referencing something topical to 1976 again, but through the like lens of history. I just think that's really interesting that they keep doing that. I wonder how many connections and plot lines are actually inspired by like current events that are like retrofitted into the Korean War setting. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. And again, for further reading and a lot of the research that I do comes from this book called Watching Mash, Watching America. And mm-hmm. um, the author of that book does recount kind of the political climate and like just the social climate in America throughout the run of the series. So like what the writers were probably commenting on. So it does seem to be 
that that is kind of a thing that the writers were doing in terms of like pulling from current day to like retrofit it back to you know Mm -hmm. the 1950s so again i would definitely recommend that book if anyone's interested in more of these kind of little tidbit things yeah i have to read it myself but I don't want to spoil all the trivia discussion. <laughs> I kind of want to be like brand new to all this information. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Maybe after we finish this podcast, you can read uh-huh. it. <laughs> That'll be our epilogue episode. <laughs> there you go. So I also have some trivia about Warren Stevens, who played Colonel Chaffee, who had his gun stolen in this episode. Okay, great. Warren Stevens was born in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania in 1919. That's a long time ago. <laughs> In 1942, Stevens enlisted in the Air Force and became an aviation cadet. After his military service, Stevens became an actor and was one of the founding members of the Actors Studio in New York City. Oh, great. That's really cool. Stevens' first Broadway role was in 1947 in the play The Life of Galileo. Stevens also appeared in several popular films throughout the 1950s, including Phone Call from a Stranger, Gorilla at Large, Forbidden Planet, The Barefoot Contessa, and Intent to Kill. Oh, wow. Gorilla at Large actually sounds like a movie that they would show at the MASH 4077. (laughs) I feel like they get all those kind of weird titles. I clicked on it very briefly when I was doing research for Warren Stevens, and it was apparently released in uh, 3D. I'm wondering if it was maybe one of the first 3D movies. I can't say for sure. I didn't really look into it, but I would assume it's probably one of the earlier 3D movies. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, seeing that big gorilla come at you, that's probably the most <laughs> terrifying experience of all time back then. Yeah, really. <laughs> Stevens also starred in a few TV shows in his career, including the NBC drama Tales of the 77th Bengal Lancer in 1956, so quite a long okay. time ago. Sometimes TV just didn't make any sense. Like, titles <laughs> were just made up on the spot. Yeah, really. Like, they were really just going for what the show was about, I guess, with that title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he also starred in the soap opera Return to Peyton Place. Oh, okay. You've mentioned Peyton Place before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Stevens is best known for being a character actor on popular TV shows spanning many decades from the 1950s to really the 1980s. He appeared in shows such as Perry Mason, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Twilight Zone, Star Trek, Bonanza, and Gunsmoke, just to name a few. Yep. The classic career. <laughs> One of his later and last appearances on TV was in two episodes of ER in 2006. Okay, that's cool. We love ER. Actually, you know what? What's so funny is that I've mentioned this several times. A lot of guest stars have been on ER. Alan Alda was on ER as well. Oh, see, I've never seen it. I just, my mom loves ER. She was, that was her favorite show in the 90s. My mom too, actually, funny enough. One day I'll have to check that out because I know that ER just has a lasting legacy. And if it's got our boy Alan on it, we got to see it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see if like they crossed paths at any time. That, that would be really interesting. Yeah. And unfortunately, Stevens passed away on March 27th, 2012 from complications of lung disease at the age of 92. I mean, 92 is pretty good, though. Yeah, definitely. So, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? Ooh, okay. So this episode, I just had a lot of fun with. I don't know if I'm going to go five out of five. I feel like we reserve that. My for... goodness. Wow. <laughs> I feel like we reserve five out of five for like spectacular episodes. But like, honestly, 
might be a 4.5. This one's just fun. Wow. This was a good sitcom episode. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I had no problems with it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think that I would I would definitely give it a 3.5. I, I liked oh, wow. it. wow. You're lower than me. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. And I think that it was a... Uh, it was a good sitcom episode. I definitely really enjoyed it. There there are <laughs> there are no notes for the sitcom aspect of mm-hmm. this episode. Um for Mash, I always like want it to be a little bit harder hitting, I guess. I I don't know. I guess it's not like the yeah. right word, but you know, I think that this was a great episode for like what it was. Yeah, on the on the sliding scale of things, I think this is a good episode for what it's trying to be, which is just, you know, goofy and light and fun. Mm-hmm. But in terms of us being like, oh, this is a masterpiece episode, it's definitely not that. But, you know, my scale slides. I'm like 9 out of 10 because it did a good job at what it's trying to do. But I do understand what you're saying on the, the more objective end of the 3.5 kind of ratings. I, I feel you. I'm personally as drunk as Radar was uh, after one drink. <laughs> but honestly, this might be an episode that I would maybe show to people to introduce them to oh, MASH. That's true. I should note that down so I remember that for later. <laughs> yeah, we should because we always go through that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We need to absolutely take better notes in the future. <laughs> So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 15, Mail Call Again. But until then, don't start any unsubstantiated rumors, especially about your co-workers shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>